Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Football.com and the DLF family, a podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. Sorry, that's funny. We're literally just talking about how we have no energy, we've got nothing to bring, and you're like, all right, let's start off with the highest of expectations so we can really lower them completely. That was, that was. That was all I've got, by the way. That was like <laughs> used it up. that That's was it. my that was my energy reserves right there, just to get us an intro uh, into the podcast here. So the rest oh, of it, oh, the rest of it, don't is, expect much, people. This is it. <laughs> the rest of it's all up to you, Peter Howard. So <laughs> there, there are heat waves. There's all sorts of things going off, and uh, we're all doing yard work, and we're we're pooped. I gotta yeah. tell you. We're yeah. all pooped. <laughs> Yes. And uh, so let's talk about fantasy football. (laughs) (laughs) Dog days of summer, man. Like we should be just recording this, just like sitting on those on on those floaty inner tubes in our (laughs) oh, that sounds like our community pools. (laughs) 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 That's how we should be doing this. But uh, we we I just I, I just wanted to talk to you. I, I didn't care what the venue was. I didn't care how freaking hot it is. They can they can warn me of an excessive heat wave here in Colorado. I I, I was gonna I, say, where do you live actually? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Denver, Colorado. Uh, where it, it, yeah, uh, believe it or not, it does not snow here all the time. So um, it actually is around a hundred degrees here right now, and I work outside. So oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Fun stuff. Good, um, good, good. We're ready to go. Yes, yes, we are. So, yeah, uh, we've been we've been kind of working on this for a while, um, bringing you on here. And I mean, I have to be honest. Like, I've had some people, <laughs> I've had some people around the community just kind of big time me lately, um, trying to set up interviews and stuff. Oh, like really? That. Yeah, and see that's and, it. that's the thing. I only ask people that I talk to regularly who aren't assholes. I keep thinking I should get more clout on the show, um, because you know it would be nice to you know grow or whatever. And then I'm like, I really just want to talk to people that I want to talk to. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I do that too. I feel like I'm I'm going to my friends, and then yeah, I get I get I get stood up. I get big time by them. But like the one guy who actually has the cachet, who has the name recognition to go around big timing people like me is Peter Howard. And <laughs> the, the reason oh, yeah. that it, took, yeah. <laughs> the reason that it took us, uh, like we've been working on this for three weeks and it was my fault that we didn't get it done. Like yeah, I, 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 that's what I've been saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so you you have been uh, extremely gracious, extremely helpful, and uh, I just I, I really appreciate you for taking the time and uh, for sticking with the the scheduling conflicts and everything, and uh, taking the time to come on here. Um, no but problem. yeah, um, I always feel like I don't do enough. Actually, if that means. Really? Like I feel like uh, like I should have solved so many things by now and fixed so many problems, and I haven't. And uh, so whenever anyone's like, hey, can we push that back? I'm like, yes, I have so many things to do. <laughs> that is fine by me. So I always I always talk about quarterback extreme like this. I, I, I kind of compare it to Google where, like, it's – it's gonna make more sense tomorrow <laughs> like whatever <laughs> okay. whatever day you discover it it's going to be more complete the next day so yeah you're yeah, always well, this is always a test run the next one's when i'm really really gonna settle in and knock it out the park that's what i always think yeah <laughs> yeah so you've got you've got projections that we can talk about um, you hate the LA Rams. We can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, Even... that's, that's, that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Even better though. <laughs> Even better though. We got to do a startup draft together. Uh, you talked about your drafts on Dino Crossroads, but um, you know we can we can still touch on uh, yours a little bit. Um, also, I imagine that you hate my roster, so we can talk about that. Lots of fun stuff. So, yeah, I mean, well, I wanted a good to... bet that I hate something. That's that's solid. That's a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a grumpy old man. I, I really, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I yeah, I wanted to get the the pleasantries out of the way early, um, and okay. and say say all the nice things right up front. Uh, so that I don't have to do it anymore the rest of this episode. Yeah, neither uh, of us are very interested in that. That's nah. <laughs> <laughs> that out the way right now. <laughs> uh, but I, I also, I mean, everyone is well aware. Um, all of my uh, super friends here, are well aware. You're well aware. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of 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 data driven analysis, but I will say you're the you're the guy who you know, who actually breaks it down and explains it to us, tells us, you know, what's the, the friction, uh -oh. what's, what's the action item here? Um, which that's the part that ends up that's, that's missing so much of the time for me. It's just like, here's a, here's a, you know, here's a freaking plot chart. So enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think what, what I've tried to, or how I've come to understand how I've developed any kind of room in this space, a very small room that's all my own and I enjoy it thoroughly. Don't leave me, please. <laughs> is acknowledging that I'm smart enough to figure something out. Not always, but just about smart enough to figure out what people are using and what people are trying to say, and then explain it at my level. I think more people operate at my level, which is below super genius, believe it or not. <laughs> and so people like that. It's like, what the, what the hell does that mean? Oh, oh, he's just he's just saying that's more likely to happen. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, why don't he just say that? I don't know. He's very smart. <laughs> She's very smart, or she has been digging into this information for way too long and doesn't know how to express it like a human anymore. And I think that's my role. Just hey, this is this is how a dummy understands what it actually means. Um, or they're actually trying to say, or uh, that's what I try to be. Just um, and so my process is real simple. It's just 
what's useful and what's useful for telling you what. And so many people understand all of that already. And so they're running on to projections or telling you exactly what they think is going to happen. It's like, but what's that based on? How often does that happen? And uh, yeah, I just live in that space. Like, wait, when does that happen? That's me. (laughs) 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 Okay. So, you know, you, you said that you, you just got done with some projections. You haven't done a, a whole lot of really digging into them just yet, but I'm curious, like, what goes into the into projections for you? How do you, how do you go about building that? That's a very natural question. That's really awkward to answer. And I actually built a model I'm using to do uh, seasonal projections live on stream, and everyone can have it. I made a few adjustments of my own, so I basically built it as a basic model that people can play around with, and if they understand how it works. And that's why I did it that way, not to get the whole 10 views I did while building it live, but so you can watch how it's built so you understand how it works. And it's a lot easier to change something if you know what it's doing. And so that was my idea. And so I I built this thing online, made a few adjustments of my own that I like, um, but basically it's the exact same model. And so what goes into it? I mean, kind of everything, right? It looks at the average um, position you're talking about. For wide receiver, we're adjusting completion percentage by QB history. And based on ADOT, for example. And it doesn't do a lot. It sounds complicated, but it looks up the uh, player's completion rates, how often they catch the ball based on how often they've had the ball thrown to them, right? The percentage completion. And then it looks at their ADOT, and then it looks at the quarterback they have and sees if they are above or below average at completing passes at just a very simple baseline of 11 ADOT if you're far down the field or closer to the line of scrimmage, and then just brings it closer to that number by averaging it. That's not technical, and that's not a model or anything, but it just edges you towards it. And that's because, especially this year, we've got changing quarterback situations. You know, you can't expect the same from James Winston that you have with uh, Jameson Winston or Drew Brees. So I wanted there to be some adjustment in there, not that you can't then change it yourself because it's not doing enough or whatever. But um, if you just project using player histories and that creates quarterback stats, which is how my prediction modules tend to work, my quarterbacks are uh, an amalgamation of what I think volume-wise players are going to do and how efficient um, they're going to be on that then uh, you need to be able to adjust for an incoming quarterback. And so that's one little adjustment we made. And for running backs, we're not using air yards. For everyone else, we are. And we're not using air yards for running backs because I don't care what Tanho says, who is one of those super geniuses. Um, I can't get it to work for running back. if you Because they catch the ball so close to or behind the line of scrimmage, no matter what I do, if I use their air yard stats, their racer and their ADOT, then their receiving numbers just don't make any sense. And so instead, with that, I refer to yards per catch. Real simple number. Uh, It's not great. It is what it is. But it gives you a baseline projection. And then you can look at it and go, I want them to be more or less efficient than that. Um, And so it's using all those stats to create a basic assumption based on the situation, which isn't going to be great, but it gets you in the ballpark. And then you run through teams, basically, using a separate tab. You just look at the player, see the volume they're projected for. And if you think it's going to be more or less, you can literally just change it. I don't think uh, Stefan Diggs is going to get 27% targets this year. I think he's going to get four because you're a crazy person. (laughs) Then it adjusts everything based on that. And you just insert the number four and it changes everything for you. And, And so, yeah, that's what's in it. (laughs) 
And that's what I used to make them. And I just went through literally team by team, making my own assumptions, trying to trust the ones we created as often as possible, but also just making some uh, logical assumptions based on you know my knowledge of players and my feeling on players. And that's the difference between a projections and a model. We got into that while building it, me and the three people who turned up. We're like, if you want to just create a model that projects these things, that's an entirely different process. I mean, you you, you can do that, but um, I don't think that's what projections are. Projections are how you think the weirdness of reality are going to interfere with the real with the facts of what's happened in the past. And so you look at um, the at the Rams, like you mentioned, or Detroit. Um, and the model does certain things based on averages um, for those players. But you're like, no, Matt Stafford is an improvement on Goff. I think they're all going to be more efficient. So you make a you make an efficiency adjustment up, which a model is never going to necessarily do from you because players have gotten older. And typically, uh, if you insert it into any model with a diff- decent sample size, it's going to assume players get slightly worse over time and slightly less volume over time. But you see the situation and thinking the, for the Rams with Matthew Stafford, they're all going to get similar volume and they're going to be more efficient because they have a good QB. Then you can override it. So with the Rams, which uh, which is is it losing Josh Reynolds? Is it losing Gerald Everett? Or is it losing Jared Goff that's that's pushing you off of them? Nothing's pushing me <laughs> off of me. I, I was just literally speculating on Twitter, like, because yeah. I've seen so much. And I know this is subjective, and this is what Cooper from DLF ended up telling to me. You're just talking about your feelings on how positive some of the things you've seen in your feed are. But yeah, I mean, my worldview is subjective, but it's mine, and that's the one I have to talk that's, about. That should but be like, valid. Yeah. Like, there are days when my entire feed is just, Rams are going to kill it. And like, I know I live in a small bubble, and I'm looking at people that are really interested in fantasy. Did we talking about it on Twitter at this time of year? They are the quote-unquote sharp people. They're paying attention all year. They're reading what DLF and Rotoviz and all of us put out. So they're in the know. And I get that, that the majority probably are low on the Rams. And their ADP reflects that. Their ADP for Cooper Cup and um, Robert Woods, for example, are barely just outside the top 24 wide receivers, which seems too low for proven top 24 wide receivers. I get that. But... What if it sucks? Like, anyone worry? We're all expecting so much, like an improvement at quarterback is going to improve everything. And back to, you know, two years ago when Cup and Woods were both vying to be top 12 wide receivers. That was historic and amazing. But do we know that Matthew Stafford is that much significantly better than Jared Goff? I don't know. I think, and I got into trouble over that. It's like, you don't watch enough tape. It's like, bro, I don't watch any tape. And even I know... (laughs) that Stafford is definitely worlds apart a better quarterback. But I'm talking about fantasy. I'm worried about this, them sucking for fantasy. He can be a worlds apart better quarterback and not be Peyton Manning and not be Aaron Rodgers. Like, I don't think he's in that conversation. And Goff has been really well managed. Like That team has done a lot. So what if it just relieves the burden on the team and they can try more things and they can, can be less cautious? Maybe there's fewer closer to the line of scrimmage targets, which is where... Cooper Cup and Robert Woods have thrived, right? They've thrived on a lot of crossing routes, three wide receiver sets, and all these concepts, concepts that the whose name I forget, coach has invented, um, essentially in part to make up for his quarterback. But they don't have to do that anymore. And I don't think Stafford's Peyton Manning, so I don't think you see Demarius Thomas and Manuel Sanders out of Cup. And that means they're not top 12 wide receivers. And I think any... 
if they're just what they were last year, that kind of sucks. I mean, <laughs> that might not have been expressed well in my tweet, what if they suck? Because um, that could mean, you know, they, they're absolutely bomb. And I don't expect that. I think they're top 24 wide receivers because they're very good players with a good quarterback and a good scheme. Fine. But I think the adjustment of having Stafford might do more for the team than it does for fantasy. I'm not sure that that improves everything, mainly because I think wide receivers operate separately or slightly more separately from quarterbacks than most people. And that's what got me thinking about all these positive tweets and articles that I was seeing about the Rams. I was like, what if they're just good? Yeah. What if they're just still good? What if that first year where Woods and Cup were vying for top 12 wide receiver status are more like a new coach who has a really interesting scheme that the NFL hadn't adjusted for? What if we haven't, what if we've seen defenses adjust to Sean McVay, whose name I just remembered a little bit. And that's also accounted for some of the decline and not decline. They've been decent. And yeah. what if schedule's difficult this year or they get, suffer more injuries? Like, it doesn't take much to see that Stafford is better and the team is still just good. And I think that sucks when we're really shooting for upside with most of our picks. We're looking for those top 12 wide receivers. And I think they have a chance to get there. But if you're heavily invested in the Rams doing that and then they don't, but those are the shots you took to get the upside and that's it, like your team's struggling at the gate even though you got them a good value because you're looking for top 12 upside, not 24. And so I was just a little concerned that the improvement doesn't necessarily roll all the way into fantasy the same way we might hope. And that concerns me a little bit now at ADP. Sure. But there you're just talking about floor. And that's the thing. Everyone in that thread was like talking about the floor. It's like, I get that the consensus is a little low on them, but I'm not, I think top 24 is reasonable for them. Yeah. So like that would suck when I'm expecting and hoping for more, mm. you know, stuff can yeah. mean a lot of things. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so, but so we know that there's, a, there is an upgrade there from Goff yeah. to Stafford. Where does that go? That like that, exactly. that, that marginal difference. Is it just like punching water where it just kind of like, just, <laughs> like dissipates or, or, or do you feel like that, that funnels somewhere, just not necessarily to, you know, it doesn't necessarily make a marginal difference for Woods and Cup. That's the thing. I was just kind of thinking out loud, which is my entire Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> and Rick Rowe chimed in because I tagged him because he normally disagrees with me. And I thought, well, everyone else is disagreeing with me. And he pointed out that the four-year average of both quarterbacks is about the same, Goff versus Stafford. So I think it might be more of a team advantage. And that might mean they can try more, but that necessarily doesn't reflect in um, an improvement in efficiency for Cup and um, Woods, who are both injured, which is also a thing that could still hold over into the season. But anyway, um, I don't know. What I do know is the, in, the the symbiosis between quarterback and wide receiver is largely, in my experience, largely thought to be better to be the wide receivers are going to, you know, go out the park, where mostly I find wide receivers can operate more independently than quarterback. So DeAndre Hopkins go to, goes to Arizona and is still DeAndre Hopkins. He doesn't downgrade just because he doesn't have Deshaun Watson. And I think we're really high in Kyler Murray, so that isn't a perfect example. But I think they can operate independently. You can have a top 12, five, top 12 wide receiver with a, with a top 24 QB. It's, it's rare you get a top 12 wide receiver with a top 32 QB, for example. You need some level of... Um, average quarterback play and i think that's what me and J jacob rick road agree but i don't think that 
And Matthew Stafford's like a top 15 quarterback. Again, I'm going back to where he's not Peyton Manning. He's very, very good. He's an improvement. But I don't think he's as enough of an edge that you go, you know, Aaron Rodgers creates DeAndre Hopkins. We don't even think that. If Andre, DeAndre, Aaron Rodgers leaves, do you think Devontae Adams is incapable of being a top 12 wide receiver? No. So why would I think that Cooper Cubs and Robert Woods, top 24 wide receivers, are now top 12 wide receivers just because of Matthew Stafford? That's even less of an improvement, less of a value change. Um, and so I'm a little worried the upside might not be there. Yeah. That, yeah. And I don't know me. how to take that. I've never, I've never actually researched it in reverse. I just know that wide receivers typically maintain who they are um, outside of the quarterback situation. Kind of regardless. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But I mean, so Matthew Stafford had Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, both very good top 12. Kenny Galladay's had a top 12 season as well, much like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods did a couple years ago. Marvin yeah. Jones didn't, you know, boost up what he's done before. And Kenny Galladay's kind of been what he has been since then, which is about, you know, that potential, but really a little lower. None of them became Calvin Johnson because you're not Calvin Johnson. It's just, <laughs> and you've got Matthew Stafford. Golden Tate was a wide receiver one several times, but he's also been very good in other situations too. Wide receivers tend to be a little more independent from quarterback play than I think a lot of people, even in the sharp group, want to admit. Like Matthew Stafford is an improvement. I don't know he's enough of an improvement that you expect more than they've already done. I like that. Are there are there any wide receivers that come to mind that people are are off on right now because they're thinking more in terms of like DJ Moore could be an example, you know, uh, should be an upgrade at quarterback. I don't know if people are necessarily pricing him that way, but I mean, does anybody come to mind that that we're just kind of off on right now? Yeah, DJ Moore is another one I got in trouble with because, you know, I like DJ Moore. I, I, you know, I'm ranked as wide receiver one. I think I've been proven correct. He's been really good in the league in terms of efficiency of creating yards, yards per team pass attempt, for example. He's phenomenal. He's mm -hmm. had a sub par touchdown rate, and that's really what we've kept hoping regresses. We were drafting him as potential top 12 wide receiver last year, and he disappointed last year. That doesn't mean he's bad. It just means we really thought last year he would do it, and he didn't. He didn't regress. So yeah. at what point do you start thinking that the touchdowns are more a product of part of his game? Phenomenal wide receiver, but he doesn't get that role. Julio Jones has been tagged with that as well, but Julio Jones also has top 12 seasons without it. Um, typically, wide receivers break out into the top 12 if they're going to by year three, especially year four. I mean, it does happen. You know, I forget the numbers because I looked it up while having this argument. There is, a, you know, a, a less than 20% number of top 12 breakout seasons that happen after year four. But it's not the it's not common. Um, now, having said that, neither is DJ Moore. DJ Moore is a very good wide receiver. We've seen that repeatedly in terms of yards. He has a change at quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater and his previous QBs all had a subpar touchdown rate, apart from Cam Newton. So there's reason to believe that Sam Donald can help him get more touchdowns, I guess. Or maybe after this many years in the league, he's shown us he's an incredibly efficient wide receiver, very good in the field, who just doesn't perform or doesn't get the role in the touchdown or the red zone area that we would need to boost him into the top 12. Or it's a... Because I don't think it's a... I don't think it's a Stefan Diggs type situation. DJ Moore hasn't had an Adam Thielen. Now, he had a Robbie Anderson last year who came in and basically took his lunch money. 
Like that's a first round wide receiver who's been phenomenally efficient. And Robbie Anderson came in and out targeted him. And Robbie Anderson has a subpar BMI, by the way, just throwing that out there because no one talks about the subpar <laughs> BMI players that are in the NFL when we're talking about rookies. But um, And Curtis Samuel has also kind of shown us what he is. He gets 14 to 16% of the targets. He's a good player in the NFL with a relatively um, short ceiling, low ceiling for fantasy. Could it happen? Yeah, because anything can literally happen. But I don't think he's had the target competition that Stefan Diggs has had, who was also phenomenally efficient in terms of yards, but never quite cracked the top 12 when Adam Thielen was there. So in that case, um, even when you go to the competition level on the team, I don't think DJ Moore has faced the uphill struggle that some wide receivers who have had that post-third year breakout do. I think DJ Moore could be a top 12 wide receiver. I think he's been phenomenal in the league. He just keeps missing this top 12 expectation. At a certain point, you have to believe that's the wide receiver, not the situation, if you know what I mean. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like there's not a whole, like, like once these guys are established, at least this is, this is what I'm hearing, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like once these guys have kind of established themselves, there's not a huge range of outcomes beyond kind of where they're, where they've already kind of settled into is, is, is that the case? I mean, is there, is there still yeah. kind of room to move either way? It, 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 like, it sounds like a very stable position that, you know, we well, can. It is. I know what you mean. And it is somewhat. Um, sorry, I got a lot of thoughts, apparently, despite having no energy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, this offseason, I've really been working on letting me myself accept that the average and the consensus is better than we expect at predicting the future. I mean, it's not great. And there's more value, by the way, like. 94% of rookies who dropped at least one round in ADP into their sophomore season have busted out. We're never good. That's phenomenally efficient in terms of dynasty ADP. We are very good at fading first-year players that disappoint, and they continue to disappoint. That also has a lot of edge in the fact that, you know, most rookies disappoint. So fading all of them tends to have a higher hit rate. But <laughs> once you notice that, it's hard not to see that. Now, there's the most upside for last year's rookie class, for example, exists with Jalen Rago, exists with Brian Edwards, exists with Antonio Golden Gandy. Damn it, I still like him. But <laughs> they've all fallen in ADP. Yeah. So I like them at values because they have the most upside. If you, you draft them or pay for them or trade for them at their current value and they become who we thought they could be, that's an amazing value. That's a that's a dynasty changing moment. That's a value shifting moment. And that's who what we should be hunting. But I also want to keep in mind we've been phenomenally efficient and effective at projecting who's going to bust out after year one. 94%. If you could give me a 94% hit rate on a rookie process, I'd give my own up. Like yeah. that's that's better than any hit rate I've ever heard. And that's just listening to ADP. When they fall on ADP, they normally fail. The one exception that I found is a few players who kind of beat expectation, but not really, or waited till year eight to do it, and Tyler Boyd. And Tyler Boyd's second year drop in value literally makes no sense. He dropped by 10 rounds after getting 600 yards and being phenomenal as a rookie. I still don't understand that. Um, and to be clear, I looked for this year's class, anyone who did decently in that article I wrote for DLF, um, but still has fallen significantly. And the only one that really meets those marks is Jerry Judy. And he's only fallen by one round, not 10 rounds. Tyler Boyd's fall was crazy. And that's why there's that 94% and not 98%, by the way, basically <laughs> Tyler Boyd. So, yeah, I mean, 
I want to bet on the less likely at value, but I'm trying to admit to myself that it has to come at a value. And right now, sophomore wide receivers don't. I mean, Jalen Rager's fallen like three rounds, and if you want to trade for him, good luck. You're paying what he was. A, you're paying a first plus, and he cost a first last year, so he's not a value at that point. Yeah. So yeah, Jerry Judy is. is... I love Jalen Rager, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah, that one's a hard one to give up. If it Jer- happens, I'm calling it. I'm saying I got it right. I'm saying my rookie <laughs> ranks were right. That's it. But going into a sophomore season, I'm saying, look, I mean, you've got to get a discount because at this point, the odds are less. The odds are less, no matter what the the. And we should read players for individual circumstance. Jalen Rager got injured. He's moving to the slot. But also remember, those narratives exist around every player that disappoints in year one. They're always different, but they always exist. So I don't know which one's true. And given that, I believe in Jalen Rager, but he has to come at a discount. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Judy is kind of one of my, well, well, I mean, here in the Mile High Desert, obviously. Right, right, right. (laughs) Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton are two guys that I'm, um, you know, I have have a vested interest in, let's just say. But those those are both guys that it feels like we're down on. And and this is this is where the whole thing gets a little convoluted for me. And you can, I'm sure you can clear this up. So I mean, both of those guys dropping in ADP. The big reason being the quarterback. Well, like you say, I mean, the quarterback is not really the issue. In this case, though, the quarterback is bad, <laughs> and they and he's and really he has, bad. I'm um, sorry, really I, I mean good. to. I mean to let you talk because I've been talking too much, but I just want to no, say that's fine. one of the things I've been pointing out with this quarterback argument. It's like, yeah, Drew Locke sucks, and yet Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy were able to get into the top 24 with him as rookies. Yeah. Like, what's Denzel Mims' excuse? Or why Sam Donald better for DJ Moore when he couldn't help Denzel Mims? If that's the, the logic that Sam Donald is better and quarterbacks are necessary, like, Drew Locke sucks. I think we all can admit that now. I've been on the train for a while. Welcome aboard. There is no fir- there's no first in preference. We all have access to the drinks bar. Welcome in. Congrats. But like both Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton were still able to do well as rookies, which is the hardest year to do well in. Um, so like, doesn't that say something about them? Like, I don't understand. I kind of expect Jerry Judy's ADP to rise a little before the season starts because that research was based on August ADP and we're not quite there yet for the 2021 yeah. season and he's only dropped one round. So, you know, a few off-season puff pieces. I want him to get out that 94% miss bracket but right now I st- I actually think he's kind of a buy. If he's worth the same or you know less liked than he was last year because I think his value is going to be stable. That's again the problem with modern ADP. It doesn't reflect trade value then I kind of like that. And I don't know who the wide receiver one is there, but they're both kind of values right now. Because the quarterback sucks. Sorry, now I'm going to shut up for like the longest <laughs> no, time so you can talk. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's that's the, the whole goal here is for, for me to get you talking. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the question when it comes to those guys is, you know, if, if the upside still exists for both of them, how does Drew Locke not get into, you know, QB2 numbers? I, because, I mean, you still have no fan there as well, which, you know, I think that most people are probably projecting as a tight end one. Um, you know, a, a, 
top 12 minimum, I would think. Um, so uh, how did those guys get to their numbers without, without Drew Locke performing at at least a top 24 quarterback type of level? Yeah, Jacob Rickrod likes to point out there are only a few quarterbacks that have sustained two top 24 wide receivers, for example. But yeah, that's the Achilles heel for me of both of those wide receivers, more than a positive um, for for the team or for Drew Locke himself. Like, I think he could fall back asswards into relevancy like a streamer, <laughs> but I don't think he needs to be a top 12 quarterback for that to happen. I don't think he needs to be a start every week quarterback for Jerry, Judy and Cortland or no, fan to have the relevance we need them to have last year. He, or he can lose the job, frankly, and the backup comes in or they trade for someone like, I don't know. Um, I'm actually trying to rush to find examples of uh, when that has happened. Cause three fantasy relevant Assets on a team is relatively rare. Around four teams a year get two top 24 wide receivers. It expands slightly if you include tight ends. So it is more common than people might think, but it's not incredibly common. And so, yeah, that that's a downside for those wide receivers. Drew Luck is a downside. But again, I don't think either have to do much to maintain their value going forward. And since Jerry Judy and Colton Sutton are kind of falling, um, I, I still kind of like him going to 2021. And it, What's the saying? Bet on talent, not situation. Situations change. Presumably, yeah. talent sticks around for a while. That's what I. Situation say. can still change. By the way, there's there's a lot of different ways for that to change. Um, Teddy Bridgewater being the most obvious, uh, but uh, uh, you know Deshaun Watson all of a sudden is back in play. That was a that was a blast from the not so distant past. Um, <laughs> So, but you said something in there. He doesn't have to be an every week starter. That's where I want to shift this conversation completely because I'm going to submit to you that there's one every week starter. It's Pat Mahomes. I'm curious. So you said at the top, you know, the, the, the your style of analysis is to, like, you're, you're, you're very good at kind of breaking this down and making this, you know, manageable and actionable for us. Um, so explain to me kind of your, your understanding and your analysis of the quarterback extreme strategy. I'm, I'm really curious after spending a little bit of time with it, how you, how you break this down, how you feel about it. No, uh, don't we want uh, like the top 12 scorers, a wide receiver and running back. Isn't that what we need to (laughs) actually win instead of just you know have value on a team like at some point you have to draft those guys and not enough of, enough of them fall out of the top five ranks and um, mm-hmm. that i'm willing to just give them up for quarterback especially when quarterback production is extremely replaceable outside the top really top patrick Mahomes at this point <laughs> um so yeah that, that's my my initial feeling and when you were talking about it, i mean i like some of the ideas in there and at least it's a different idea a different strategy and we need more of those but um it's definitely more of a value conversation than um a production one i mean having five quarterbacks gives you phenomenal access to trades but that's what the power of it is and um, because your wide receivers and running backs and even tight ends i mean you can hit on a few good guys but unless you think you're you know draft stiller and you never miss, then you're not going to have a lot of great running backs or wide receivers or tight ends or a tight end. And um, tight ends, kind of, you're already looking at streaming if you're drafting that many quarterbacks up front. So that's my problem with it. It's, 
if I have a problem with it. It's just that we're kind of giving up um, every other positional advantage, and the value of it would be to trade those quarterbacks. And I don't like drafting to trade as a rule. Why don't I just draft that player? I, I guess you do yeah. give yourself time to see which ones you actually want to have in the season. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I really don't trade them all that much, but maybe that's we can. That's because that's what you said. And I'm like, well, who do you start at wide receiver and running back then? Uh, so we can actually get to that DLF, uh, that startup that we did. Let's let's talk about that again. You know, it's a it, it's not quite as topical now. Um, my <laughs> fault that it took us this long to get here. But, it, you know, now this is like a month old and maybe more. Um, but. Uh, I, I think that it's, it, so it's at least relevant to the conversation, but I mean, I, you know, I've got, I, I ended up with Cam Akers was my second pick. Uh, I, I've got CD lamb starting for me at my, you know, my one wide. Yeah, but you didn't spot. go five round QB. That's the other thing. You literally didn't do the strategy. I know oh, I did because I, 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 I still did. I got my, I had at one point I had. So I, I've got five quarterbacks. Jordan Love is the only one that it's it's kind of questionable. I mean, if he ends up, you know, if we have a Aaron Rodgers holdout, Jordan Love is your is your starter in Green Bay, and now I'm at five. But Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, Kirk Cousins, those are all starters. And then I had Sam Darnold for a minute. I traded him away. So I still ended up with my five. Yeah, um, but you didn't go five rounds straight, which is arrow me. But the other thing is, yeah, Cam Akers is a good third round running back um, with top 12 upside, but he's also got issues. He had a below average share of the offense for those that go on to be successful, for example, in rookie years. And if he busts out, your next best running back is uh, (laughs) Damian Harris. Damian Harris. Actually, it's probably Ronald Jones, (laughs) to be honest, in terms of startability. And that's not giving you a lot of access to top 12 upside outside of Cam Akers. So it's all kind of resting on Cam Akers' shoulder. And then you trade it at the next two picks like a coward because I took Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and screwed it. And, and again, it's not my problem isn't targeting these uh, second tier as I kind of think of them quarterbacks because quarterbacks never come to them in the startup draft. I don't like that a lot. It's given up these premium picks, which are the most valuable assets we have ever. And first, second, third, those first five picks in the startup draft are the most valuable assets we have. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, just for if we did those straight for quarterbacks, you got Kyler Murray, uh, Russell Wilson, and Kirk Cousins in round five there, which is fine. Um, but you gave up access. Well, I mean, in the same time, I got two quarterbacks. I got Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, and then James Robinson, which is my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but two top 12 running backs and a top 12 wide receiver, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, okay. So first of all, just to clarify, I never go five straight quarterbacks. Like that's, that's, uh, and, and I, I get hammered but on now, that I got quite four. a bit. I got four starting quarterbacks without really trying. <laughs> yeah. To emphasize yeah. it, because that second tier is always kind of too cheap. So. Yeah, I mean, like the 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 way I explain it to people is: first of all, I start with quarterback in the first round, so that I've got the runway before the quarterbacks run out. I've got the opportunity to get to five of them without having to go five straight. I don't want to go five straight. That that sucks because at that point, yeah, I mean, you start you're you're making some big time reaches you know, Kyler Murray over, uh, I, I don't think Kyler Murray was, 
was much of a reach, but you know, it, people are making no, that's fine. taking like you know Joe Burrow over over Saquon Barkley, like that feels like a reach, right? That's a that's a first yeah. round pick that people are making that feels like a reach, and it, it <laughs> as hard as it is to make that reach, like try waiting until you know the fifth round to start taking your five quarterbacks now you've got five rounds to do it. you have to go five straight and now you're taking you know Derek Carr over you know fifth fifth round you know wide receivers and running backs so but yeah that's that's exactly a thing though that's why quarterbacks are streamable for example outside the top Let's see what we're going to say. Usable weeks, I guess. Outside the top four quarterbacks, pretty much we average between 40 and 50 usable weeks, as in, how's that defined here? Uh, top 12 weeks. Um, so 40% top 12 weeks, straight from quarterback eight all the way to quarterback 16. So Derek Carr's of the world aren't sexy, but they get you about as many starts as a quarterback six in the top 12. And, yeah. and that's what you're talking about with Joe Burrow. Like, unless you're really getting a Patrick Mahomes. And right now, I don't know of a quarterback outside of Patrick Mahomes I'm willing to bet provides you more than 50% top 12 weeks. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. so that that's the worry for me that you're you're drafting Kyler Murray, but you get about what you would get from Derek Carr plus Ben Roethlisberger. Right. You know, because quarterback stream. Well, in Dynasty, you have to roster him, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, which which is the the whole strategy, by the way. Um, being able to stream them because they're on my roster. So, I mean, because to me that makes the argument. Like, I I I agree with that. You know, uh, roughly half the time, and I, I don't know that the goal needs to be, you know, top twelve quarterback every week. It w- it would be great, but you know, as long as we're getting, um. In, it, it, as long as we've got at least a, a a baseline scoring that we can put up against, you know, any other combination of quarterbacks, I I think we're fine. I don't think it has to be top twelve. Um, okay. I'm looking and, more. But for, we have around an average eighty six percent top twenty four weeks all the way to quarterback nineteen. Yeah. I, I, again, that's just the essential assumption, or the essential assumption, the understanding of quarterback at these point, at this point in these days, these post JJ Zachary's world is that you can stream startable, usable or upside weeks and get the quarterback sure. seven with those, you know, quarterbacks 15 to 20 or yeah. 32. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that, that's the whole thing is this gives us the ability to, you know, to, to bench and and i know i know what you're gonna say here and i get it this is a hard move for people to make it's one they need to get comfortable with but it's a hard move to make but russell wilson for instance on my roster i mean he had some really bad weeks in it it was late in the season and it was really pretty predictable in bad matchups the ability to bench him for Kirk cousins in a good matchup like that's that's the advantage that I'm looking at, and I'm I'm kind of going off of what you're saying, where you know there's there's not a, you know beyond Pat Mahomes at least there aren't really any guys who are sure things every single week like that doesn't really exist, you know. Right. So uh, and and it's just as likely that Kirk Cousins is going to have a top twelve week as Russell Wilson most weeks. Isn't it also just as easy to read when Kirk Cousins is going to have a rough week versus and Kyler Murray? 
mm-hmm. who you drafted yeah. in the second round and and Kirk Cousins went later. You know what I mean? Like it's just as yep. easy and you're getting similar top 12 weeks and it's an easier decision. Easier decision to to start Bench Kyler. Kirk Cousins versus benching your QB2 when he's Kyler Murray and you spend a second round pick on him. Oh yeah. It, yeah, it is, but that that's my whole thing. That's what people need to to get comfortable with is the idea that you know ADP goes out the window. That doesn't matter anymore once the startup's over. You know, where you took them, that part doesn't matter anymore. What matters is who who is going to uh who's gonna give you the higher ceiling for the week. And it's yeah, exactly. You know, and and there there's gonna be times where Kyler Murray doesn't fit <laughs> into that equation. Mm-hmm. They're going to be weeks. I mean, he's he's in a pretty tough division for one thing. He's gonna run into the Rams a couple times. You know, he's gonna run into San Francisco a couple times. So, you know, it's 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 gonna be there's there's four games where it's going to be viable. It's gonna at least be a question of do I actually start him here? And if I've got somebody in a great match, if I, if Kirk Cousins is against Detroit that week, you know, the worst defense in the league, like to me, it's a pretty easy move to bench Kyler Murray for Kirk Cousins. See, to me, what I like about the idea of the strategy is that um, you kind of pushing it down the road a little bit. And that's why my mind went to value in that that quarterback is going to have value in a year, even if he's struggled this year. Yeah. Or and pretty much after the startup, they're always more expensive because they're in, they don't make many more of them throughout a year. I mean, they <laughs> right. do. I mean, there is a quarterback who gets replaced almost every year, if not two. I haven't looked at the average on that. The the, the there's always the fucking what was his name back when they were the the, the St. Louis Rams, Austin Davis, right? There's always <laughs> an Austin Davis or a Gardner Menchu, um, to get excited about or uh, I. I a uh, Ryan Tannehill who does a lot more than that actually becomes one of those top 12 guys. Yeah. Um, but, and so what I like about the strategy is that, you know, I drafted Christian McCaffrey in the first round. He's going to his fourth year. I still think he's going to be great, but his value definitely maintains or diminishes next year. There's not a lot of chance I'm going to get more out of that. Yep. Um, and so by focusing quarterback, like you're pretty much kicking the can down the road and keeping quarterbacks, represent the most liquid value of actually rostering a player in Dynasty. Um, and that's interesting to try and take advantage of that because outside of quarterback in Superflex, the only liquid value you have are draft picks. And we all know how valuable they are, how much you can throw them around and really affect your team. But a quarterback in a Superflex is more liquid value than most of the positions in most of the formats because mm-hmm. they are so valuable, especially after a startup draft when they tend to be underdrafted. Yeah. So, uh, and that's the advantage of the the strategy for me. That doesn't provide a weekly upside because I think once we say it's as easy to read who's going to have a good week or a bad week, it just becomes well, my guys were cheaper, and I find it easier to bench them, and that puts the advantage back on drafting quarterbacks a little later than the first, second, third round. Um, or in my case, just not in the first round. I drafted Christian McCaffrey, then I went quarterback, and did I go quarterback again in the next round? I don't think I did because I was trying to make a point. <laughs> yeah, I went wide receiver, and then I got um, another quarterback in round four. And yeah. then in that second value tier, again, I just drafted two. Uh, actually made a trade by the look of it to draft two um, back-to-back. 
And because that second value tier where they do have, you know, 30 to 40% top 12 weeks, let alone startable weeks. And I think a little undervalued in a startup draft. And so what I like about the, whatever you, what did you call it? The, you know, quarterback (laughs) on speed (laughs) strategy (laughs) and is that you're maintaining more value. And, and that, that, that's definitely has some advantage. Like I got Christian McCaffrey uh, and, um, Michael Thomas, which looks great right now, but we know year over year it might look shitty next year, and I'm already scrambling to try and find value to rebuild a little bit. Whereas having five quarterbacks, even if your team turns out to be a little shitty, you got plenty of value. And so that's what I like it uh, as taking advantage of. I'm just not sure about its uh, advantage in terms of production. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, tell what what about the wide receivers i want to i want to let me let me tell you about my wide receiver strategy i think that you're going to hate this even more okay but but my feeling is that's the position where you can kind of set it and forget it i don't feel like there's much of an advantage to be gained by playing matchups at wide receiver by changing your lineup on a weekly basis now obviously sometimes you have to do it because you know, uh, bye weeks, injuries, whatever. So right. uh, that's fine. But so in this league, we start one wide receiver. So I ended up with three of them. My goal is going to be CD Lamb at wide receiver every single week as long as he's healthy and active. Robert right. Woods could fill a flex for me. I would way rather have this is a heavy tight end premium. So I'd rather have tight ends at flex. Um, I would rather have running backs at flex because, you know, it. If if any of these guys end up with, you know, a starting a starting role, um, and and again we only start one running back as well, I believe. So Cam Akers is kind of my rubber stamp guy there, I believe. But you know, Damian Harris, Ronald Jones, those guys start with with jobs. But Latavius Murray is it, it, you know kind of right on the cusp. Daryl, uh, yeah, Daryl Williams, Jamal Williams, those guys are both kind of right on the cusp of having a a starting role uh for their team and once they get there i mean they kind of become you know top 12 ish running backs generally so my goal is to keep them at flex as well i don't have a whole lot of of you know space in my lineup for wide receivers in their you know limited ceilings so my goal is going to be to have one of them in there at a time i've got robert woods but i i would rather not have him at flex. So it's, it's kind of CD lamb and that's kind of it. And I'm just setting it for and forgetting it. Robert Woods jumps in there on CD lambs by weeks. And then we're right back to CD lamb. So, you know, I just, I, I don't have a, a whole lot of roster space to commit to the wide receiver position. I've got, five no, we don't, which is, I agree with that. I think we're way yeah. too willing to put wide receivers on the back of our roster when running backs are more likely to have monetary, oh, not monetary, momentary value or even increase in value more ex- uh, exponentially yeah. for where you drafted them in a given week or a given season, given the injury and the type of position. Um, so I don't disagree. And I like your first few wide receivers. They, they seem great and valuable in Dynasty and they could have top 12 seasons, which is all a good thing. Yeah. Um, what I'd say is that that, the fact that we don't want to roster many, as many back-end wide receivers as some drafters are willing to do means that those that we draft early have to be that kind. You have to get top 12 potential. You have to get good value. And that means the wide receivers at the top of the draft are more valuable, not less. 
yeah. because we don't want to roster so many deep. And something that it just came across my feed was TJ Hernandez once again writing up the effectiveness of zero RB in best ball drafts. It's, it's kind. I, I know everyone thinks it died, but it's already kind of a settled question that in best ball drafts, when we take out all of our decision-making process and we get all of the best weeks that we couldn't have seen coming mm -hmm. and at every position, zero RB is what wins most often. Like that's kind of a settled question. I know everyone thinks zero RB is dead, but it's what wins most often, and it does is affected by a lot by how many people are doing it. I think that might be the missing part of the equation there. If everyone's going zero RB, some of the edge may drop off. But and um, the second most winning strategy is like uh, I think I've referred to it, heard it referred to as like hero RB, which is my favorite way of saying it. Like you draft one running back and then go wide receiver basically, or non running back. Yeah, and that's just cool. And um, so, if we take us and the the messiness of reality out of the equation, having high value wide receivers and taking a lot of shots on running back win most, and it's not particularly close. The win rates are not particularly close. I mean, they're slightly close between hero RB and wide receiver, but that's because you're getting a lot of those high value wide receivers. Wide receivers finish where we draft them more effectively and more often. They have access to whatever upside, even if you want to call it limiting, and that wide receivers have on a week-to-week -week basis higher in ADP. And so yeah. it just makes more sense to draft more wide receivers early. That's not... Uh, I don't know what whether you're asking me about that or whether you're asking me about not rostering a lot of deep wide receivers. I do like still taking my undrafted guys and taking my sleepers late. But really, I mean, Josh Larkey from Player Profiler said this one of the best ways I've heard, which is that if you're in a dynasty league and you have more wide receivers and running backs, you're probably playing wrong. Yes. <laughs> it's that simple. And so for that, for me, is that means I want to take more early because that's where all the good ones I think are good are. But then there are a few late that I don't mind taking shots on, but a lot less than, you know, ADP would suggest most people are doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the bit that's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's kind of a lot to it. Like I, the, the entire roster build, like I've been calling it the flywheel because each, each component, each position, you know, has kind of has its own input into the flywheel and, you know, to just kind of get stored and then distributed throughout the roster, wherever you kind of need it. But, you know, part of with the wide receivers, part of their, you know, the, the energy that they're inputting into this roster is their efficiency. And, you know, the fact that it feels like a really deep position to me, it feels like there's a lot of guys that can do roughly the same thing. And, you know, obviously we would love to have those, you know, the, the, the big name guys, we'd love to have Justin Jefferson. We'd love to have DK Metcalf, you know, but it's, I don't think that we necessarily need to partly because we get you know, pretty similar production from, uh, you know, Adam Thielen and, and Tyler Lockett even. Yeah, I, I think that's exaggerated too. I think that I, I find a lot of people feel that way. And there is a slight edge, like in researching this, because we argued once about it. And <laughs> what I found is about a 7% edge in that about 7% of top 24, 7% more of top 24 wide receiver weeks are coming from outside the top 24 than at running back. I don't know if that sentence makes sense. Just remember the 7% edge. That yeah. doesn't account for the wide receivers that were top 12 or top 24 wide receivers and then missed games. And so, their points per game looks better 
than their yearly seasonal finish. And so I'm going to reduce that to around 5 or 6% advantage in that wide receiver might be 5 or 6% deeper um, than running backs is the way I'm thinking of it. But there is a significant difference um, inside the top seven um, wide receiver and top five at running back. Running back is rarer. That's why it's more valuable. That, you know, anyone in the top 12 wide receiver is providing a significant edge over the top 24 or the top 36. What that's five to 6% edge perhaps is, is that you get more floor and there are more floor weeks available, but they're not, uh, they're usable rather than winning, especially when you're talking about roster decisions and when outside the best ball format and back in dynasty, that 7% edge comes from being willing to flex the week that Traquan Smith has a good week which is less predictable than running back. That 7% or 5 to 6% edge comes um, with a lot more variance. It's harder to predict wide receiver weeks. It's easier to predict that when the running back one goes down and a new starter is going to emerge next week, that guy is going to be that top 24 running back that happens outside the top 24 and overall positional finishing. So, I mean, I think it's true. But I think it's over-exaggerated because wide receivers aren't necessarily as deep. And difference-making wide receivers are deeper than running back, but it's like seven big, not five big, instead of 36 versus 24. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that part's fair. I mean, I like it feels like, again, I mean, you know, you kind of mentioned how they just the wide receivers really just kind of settle into what they are, you know, and there's not a whole lot that affects that. I mean, there, there are, there are mall breakers, like, and that's why I love undrafted guys. I'm more likely to be extreme mall breakers because there's a reason we had them in a different mold. That's not necessarily because how good they are. Like, yeah. uh, and Adam Thielen is incredibly rare, but so are extreme mall breakers, for example. Um, sorry to keep talking, Happy. No, but, no. Uh, something good. I wanted to mention because you got me thinking about it. Um, just to borrow some brilliance from Kevin O'Brien, who's recently started back up the FF Engineering Football Podcast, which is was was a phenomenal football podcast, and I'm really excited he started it back. Just to drop some non-DLF shoutouts here, but Ryan McDowell mm-hmm. was the first guest on that re-release podcast. Um, something that he mentioned while talking with Ryan was. Everything and something, an edge we might be missing, and I think I definitely am because I haven't really been considering it. Is all of this matters in the context of the year? Like, if you're going progressive struggle in 2014, what a great decision that was. If you're going progressive <laughs> struggle in 2015, 16, and 17, your team sucked. You probably quit that league. <laughs> um, yeah. If you're going heavy running back 18, 19, then you're, you're loving life right now. But if you go progressive struggle again in 2020 you're killing it with all these wide receivers from the 2021 class or the 2018 class it's awesome so that all factors in i think to these strategies and the way you want to build your dynasty team like is this a year you want a lot of deep wide receivers or is this a year which is the average which is what we were talking about you want more running backs and wide receivers that's the basic rule and i don't exactly know but i think and that's an important part of this conversation. Like if this year yeah. is, you know, a lot of breakout wide receivers and having more running backs in the back end of your depth chart is going to suck because you missed out on a lot of value. You missed out on a lot of those um, breakout players or those mold breaking wide receivers. And um, I don't think it is, but it's worth considering. If you think Jacoby Brissett is a wide receiver one on the Patriots, which he is, and he could do more than I currently expect, 
than taking a lot of deep shots on Jacoby Brissett or Michael Williams um, or those type of players could really pay off if that's the type of year we're expecting in 2021. Yeah. Like, I think that's a really good point that we probably under talk about. Um, uh, like, what type of year is this? Is it going to be more deep wide receivers than we usually expect? I honestly don't know. I don't even know how to start researching that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, everything I've heard is just that this it's not going to be a very good draft class, just like across the board. Um, it sounds like uh, wide receiver is kind of going to be the the big one again, which I, it, it, it seems like anytime we've got a bad draft class, it's heavy on wide receivers. <laughs> like that's, it, I ended it, up taking a lot of wide receivers late in this draft. That's what got me thinking about it. Cause I broke my arm wrong. I think I have more running backs and wide receivers, but I took Travis Fulgram in like the 25th round for goodness sake. And Antonio golden Ganley in the 24th. So they're costing me nothing except those spaces that I would use on running backs, which again, yeah. which means I'm falling for a bad strategy and <laughs> based on what we said, but if this is the year Travis Fulgham breaks him, we think he was just a product of what happened with the Eagles last year, but what if he's not? What if he's actually okay? Again, then suddenly getting him in round 25 is an extreme value change, right? And Antonio yeah. golden Ganley talking about those players who've dropped in ADP from last year. It's very 94% continue to miss, right? But yeah. he was also slightly lower drafted. What if he does something and then they get a value shift in that? So I guess that's what I'm writing on for this team because I took way too many deep wide receivers. <laughs> way too many. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like the 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 kind of the the easy audit on this is Alan Lazard, Zach Pascal. Like, what's their path into your lineup? Preston you know? Williams, Kendrick Bourne, <laughs> Tyler Johnson. I just went nuts at the end of this. <laughs> Give me Alan Lazard. I've never liked him, never will. But what the hell? No one likes him. <laughs> the Packers don't like him. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like some of these, and 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 you know, I end up going a little too extreme because I do like having you know those. All, all of that extra roster space for the running backs, um, partly because, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be startable at some point, but it's going to be like at different points in the season. It's almost just kind of this, this revolving door at running back. And so, you know, I kind of want the ability to go from, you know, while, while, Alvin Kamara sits out for two weeks with a hamstring, I've got Latavius Murray and then he comes back and then, you know, uh, DeAndre Swift misses three weeks with a knee and, you know, now I've got Jamal Williams. So like, that's kind of the goal is to just have this kind of rolling, you know, revolving door. Um, and it takes a lot of roster space to do that. Yeah. It, uh, roster space is under spoken about, you know, I mean, more and more we're talking about the value of roster space and that's the problem with so many wide receivers. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of the issue, but I mean, I do like, for one thing, I mean, you've got, you've got Diami Brown and Elijah Moore on, on taxi squad. I mean, that really kind of like taxi squad is the place to hide those wide receivers and see what happens. Like that's, that's, Good old rookie draft. I had to pay for that Elijah Moore damn (laughs) pay hard. (laughs) (laughs) But the nice thing is he really just kind of made a bunch of those guys expendable for you. Like 
Pretty much. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> if there were any running backs worth rostering, I'd go at him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Alan Lazard, probably your first cut. Zach Pascal's a close second. Yeah, I so. never liked Alan Lazard. I don't know what I was saying. Other than he had impressive volume for a few games and he nearly made me wrong because I really liked, preferred Marcus van der Scantling last year. Yeah. Preferring neither. I really didn't think they were going to have a viable wide receiver, too. Um, and he was just sitting there. I was like, yeah, sure. I hate these running backs. Give me Jalen Rashad and Amir Abdullah and Brian Hill. I guess Patrick Lard sitting sitting out there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justice Hill is finally going to happen. I don't know. That's the problem. I've got much firmer opinions on wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I mean, you ended up with Tyler Johnson. I hope I happen to know that you're a, a big time Tyler Johnson fan. I so, think it's mandatory. You know, I roster him at this point. <laughs> I, yeah, I do too. I, yeah, it's kind of like uh, my. Aaron Someone's got to pay the price for all those takes, and it will be me. <laughs> 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 you always have a handful of wide receivers just kind of just just hanging out there in space just waiting to either make you look good or make you look bad like that's pretty mu- pretty much <laughs> <laughs> just have a collection of them just, uh, like just Kendrick like- Bourne's been on that list for a while yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Corey Davis is still there you're you're kind of the one holdout on Corey Davis still uh, no, I, I met um, Nick Whalen the other day. He's he's one of the holdouts as well. We're still living the dream with those Corey Davis shares again. <laughs> nice. I had to bail on that one, and I feel bad about it because I love Corey Davis, but, man, it was just... I mean, last year was Corey Davis season. I don't know if you were made aware, so... <laughs> yep. <laughs> right after I sold. That was... Yeah. <laughs> that was... <laughs> exactly. That's the way that works. Yep. It's, yeah basically like uh washing your car right before it rains that's kind of what i do with Corey davis um yeah i mean i had questions for you on wide receiver and i just totally lost them um but I'm good at making people forget things <laughs> <laughs> nah no this was good stuff and and i mean we're running a little over time and uh definitely want right. to respect your time um <laughs> But I'm curious if if you found anything in the projections so far that uh, that's kind of stood out to you, you know, beyond um, the Rams. I don't, I don't have any hot takes for that. I do find myself really liking Miami at value right now. Like I think Will Fuller is a little underrated, and Tua is underrated for reasons. I still can't get my head around the fact that this, you know, the guy we literally thought teams should tank for. Like just quit the twen- quit the season so you get to it is now bad after playing five games, which is not nearly enough. Like yeah. I, I, I'm not a quarterback evaluator. It just seems like a strong shift with very little reason. And so because we um, didn't know that he was tiny, we like we didn't know that about him <laughs> until he got well, here. <laughs> we didn't know that about him. Um, but he was injured coming in. We we knew that. Um, yeah. but I don't know. I uh, just Miami seems a little underrated. I still think Juju Smith shoes are strongly underrated. Um, as a wide receiver in general, um, I'm really interested in the fact you drafted CD Lamb. Like, I, I really thought he was, had the potential to be a top 12 wide receiver, but instead he broke into the top 24, talking about whether they break molds. And now, obviously, a lot of that reason was Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup being awesome, especially Michael Gallup, obviously. But um, if he's going to do something more, 
like I have to believe he can break away from both of them, which is yeah. really interesting going into the season. Right now, I have to project him as a wide receiver 14, and I have to have him doing that a little bit, even to suggest it a wide receiver 14. I don't know where you're at in it, but if it's mm-hmm. I know I kind of feel like if it's gonna happen, it can happen as well this year as any year. Yeah, full year with Dak Prescott, I think, uh, is going to make a big difference. A full training camp. I mean, that's that I think that makes a big difference. But what what was interesting is I actually, like I said earlier, I I drafted Sam Darnold. And uh, I think during this draft is when he got traded to Carolina. I actually traded away Amari Cooper and Sam Darnold to get CeeDee Lamb. I think I ended up with like a future pick like a second or something as well but like the this is this is part of the thing with wide receivers it it does kind of it can jog my memory a little bit but the other thing that i feel like you can do is you can move around within the wide receiver position much easier than you can at the other positions you know the the trade value is just kind of in in and it's because whether it's an illusion or not, you know, whether it's a re- reality or not. Hey, it, m- money's feels, an illusion, but it's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it feels deep. Wide receiver feels deep and it feels, you know, pretty easy to move, you know, from one to the next um, without giving up nearly as much, you know, to, to get from, um, you know, I, again, like Cooper to Lamb is kind of the example in this case. But, you know, I think that you can get to the wide receivers as at the top end even. You can get to, you know, Stephon Diggs and, and Justin Jefferson a lot easier than you're going to get to, you know, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley or, you know, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. It, you know, it's just kind of what wide receiver do you have? add a little bit to it and you can make that upgrade. So, you know, that's, that's part of the strategy of wide receiver too, is just the fact that they're pro they're, they're the easy, it's the easiest position to acquire essentially. Uh, I want to respect your feelings while at the same time, not caring about them. But, <laughs> and I was it. just trying to think of running backs. I'm really trying to develop running back taste because it might, might make those easy later draft picks a little easier. You know, you've got the obvious, uh, Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin a little undervalued considering they will have value and dynasty owners just don't want them. Um, <laughs> also, I, I don't know how you feel but about Javante Williams. I like him as a prospect. I think there are some flaws there and he's yeah. very much the running back three. But it's interesting to look at the conversation of James Robinson versus Melvin Gordon. I mean, haven't they both just been cooked by the draft if we like those run- incoming running backs? And I think Javante Williams could at least provide the upside that the 2020 class did coming in later to, later of the season, or even and um, maybe the team has gone out and gotten a good running back with decent draft capital to take over that role. So it could happen earlier than we think. And um, so I think Javante Williams, like it was, like he's ranked as a uh, 35th running back right now by uh, uh, what is it? Um, Fantasy Pros, yeah. um, and that just seems a little low even for redraft with that kind of upside. Uh, yeah. I agree. I like Mike Boone a lot too. I, I've, I mean, that's kind of well. If we're throwing out the Mike Boones of the freaking world, like <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm Brown had over, like, uh, my projection model wanted to give him twenty five percent of the touches behind Marcus Gaskin. And I was like, what the, what the, why? And it's because <laughs> yeah. he was kind of getting around that level on the Rams because of the whole girly mess. And I was like, that's a high share for a running back too. 
Yeah. And that, that stuck out to me as well, especially since Gaskin has some questions around him. Uh, apparently, most people that watch tell me he's not good. And I'm like, but the points. So I don't know. How to <laughs> yeah. Know about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, the, the reason I bring up Mike Boone, I, I, okay, first of all, I don't think Melvin Gordon. You just is like wrong. the name. It's fun to say Boone. You can say it. It's okay. That, that's true, too. That's true, too. It's a fun name. I don't think Melvin Gordon's any good. I don't think he's that good. I, I think he's fine. He's just another running back, but like, I don't think he does anything special. I don't, I didn't feel that way about him in, in LA, and I certainly don't feel it that way about him in Denver. I, I just haven't seen anything that's like, Oh, you, yeah, you have to get that guy onto the field. It's like, it, I, I Mike Boone can do the same stuff. Javante Williams can do the same. And the problem is both of those guys also play special teams. Both of those guys, there's, there's an actual savings to be, it's, it's not a lot. It's two and a half million, but there's a savings to be had there by cutting Melvin Gordon. Yeah, someone was asking me who's the next Antonio Gibson. I was like, not no one. But um, <laughs> it got me interested in burst score because that's what they were talking about. Uh, um, Antonio Gibson was so athletic and so bursty. And so I ended up figuring it out and calculating it. And the whole time while looking for these, you know, low end, low first round, early second round running backs, I kept thinking, isn't it Javante Williams? He actually has an average burst score, coincidentally. But like, if, if there is a big running back riser, like Javante Williams just seems to have been lost in the mix by being the running back three for I think pretty much everyone. And I don't like you saying like I like Melvin Gordon a lot. I actually might be higher on him than you, but I'm like I'm not sure his role, especially when you consider injury potential, is any safer than James Robinson's was. Mm-hmm. And and if Javante Williams is good, like uh, it's probably by 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 Gordon, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's that's my feeling on it. If Javante Williams can win that job in camp, I don't I don't think there's really any reason to keep Melvin Gordon around. I don't th- I just don't think he does anything well enough that you have to keep him. You know, despite the fact that he's his his cap hit is greater than his dead cap. You know, that's that's kind of that's dangerous territory for a for an older running back. So. Well, so is asking me to talk about running backs. So, you know, once we're in it, we might as well just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tight ends. Have you found any of those in the projections that are? uh... I mean, I guess, yeah, Kyle Pitts is a top 12 tight end. And I think that's remarkably overvalued right now. I guess that's interesting. I think everyone, second year in a row, like it's remarkably, um, it's striking to me how, undervalued or underhyped actually would be the word um Noah Fant and Hawkinson are like they're both yeah. good r- tight ends who've had really good opportunity shares in decent teams with good draft capital and they're athletic and they're the right size and they're probably going to be oh they project to be top 12 tight ends and like everyone's like yeah nah. <laughs> it's like, okay isn't that literally what <laughs> okay isn't that what we're excited about right. no okay <laughs> um so yeah i mean i don't know if their value is lower on them that value is so hard to judge by adp it's one of the things i keep trying to find a way of like they can be low in adp and you try and trade for them in whatever league and it's like, nope give me yeah. the world so i don't think that quite relates but like hawkinson especially like he's just he's really underhyped, and like I don't know if that translates into value. 
um, but Fant as well. And Mark Andrews, everyone just forgot about G? Forgot about Mark <laughs> Andrews. Like he's not good at catching touchdowns, even in remarkably short, even if the Baltimore offense doesn't expand. Like Mark Andrews should be a top five tight end. Like, hey, and he's ranked there and everyone thinks that, but just no one cares. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. <laughs> and it's coming several rounds after Waller. So I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Dallas Goddard died, died after becoming a top 12 tight end without um, Zach Ertz needing to be traded. I still see when is Zach Ertz being traded tweets. I'm like, probably never. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think you were wrong the first time and you're just doubling down now. Um, but Dallas Goddard, like, he's did it and now no one cares. Much like Mark uh, Evan Ingram, he did it still getting a 20% opportunity share on that team as a tight end and just no one cares. The, like, there's lots of these players where because it's tight end it's not particularly sexy but like they're actually good and no one cares Dallas Goddard and um, Evan Ingram um, is pretty interesting I think Ertz and Austin Hooper are underrated in terms of being part of your streaming committee not suddenly being top five tight ends again um, and they've come so cheap and they're easily going to fit into that rotation I think um, but you were actually asking about projections and the one that turned up that I thought was interesting is Hunter Henry ended up turning up in the top 12 I have Henry projected over obviously J Jono Smith but like if there's a fantasy relevant asset in New England and it's not Jacoby Myers which you know is interesting as a guy who just keeps drafting late when wide receivers and shouldn't and um, Hunter Henry is probably it yeah that man, that's going to be the heart. <laughs> like, and no matter what I say or how excited I get or how long I talk, man, you're always just come back with, yeah. Just, like, I mean, stop. yeah, yeah. Please. I mean, Hunter Henry, and uh, I don't know, man. But also, the fact that we're not just talking about Aaron Rodgers is just it, it like it feels like a I'm holding in a sneeze anytime I talk <laughs> about super flex without talking about Aaron Rodgers I'm just like just get kind of just jittery just like oh, wait why are we go ahead and get it out there. I have him <laughs> as quarterback seven right now I mean I, I'm just literally not fooling with it he's a Green Bay quarterback until I hear differently yeah agreed I have found that I normally get it wrong if I try to read the future. Like, <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not guessing. Tell, tell me what's happening, and I'll adjust to that. Um, yeah. I'd love to have him in Denver, but, man, I'm just I, – I, yeah, I'm just not going not gonna to assume anything other than it, he's, he's, he's a Green Bay Packers quarterback. That's uh, – that's, let's just go with that. I will say I don't – I haven't seen, I haven't been told yet Deshaun Watson's missing time. I know he's everyone's least favorite person, including mine, but yeah. like, uh, known as, uh, fantasy pros has got him as a quarterback 28. And like, without missing any time, that's weird. Um, I, I, I made him miss two games just because I want to show that risk. But like, yeah. I mean, it's really awkward. Obviously don't roster him. If you don't want to roster him and I would, uh, you know, encourage that, but, I mean, it's weird to rank him that low. If he's starting, he's starting, and uh, yeah, he's never been that bad. That's been my issue with this, with all of this, is we're just kind of assuming a, a like a lifetime ban. I think, and it's like there is no, there's no precedent for this. Why are we just gonna assume that he's just 
He's the, just the done. NFL does not have a great history of being aggressive towards um, you know stars. Yeah, evil or sin. I mean, it likes talent. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, if they really haven't. I don't know. I like. I, I don't like getting it in, into the, the legality part, but like, it just it certainly hasn't been enough to move the needle for a you know for a league that doesn't like to move the needle if it doesn't have to. So, yeah, I, man, Des- Deshaun Watson. I I really didn't want to knock him down at all. In my ranking, when they when they took Davis Mills with their first draft pick, that's where I was like, okay, maybe there's a little bit of reason to bump him down, you know, out of the top three. That's that's as far as I can go personally. Right. But yeah, let's man, we need to wrap it up. But like, I could I could sit here and just like throw names at you, throw positions at you. Yeah, we could all just day. do this all day. This is fine. <laughs> this is pretty good for two guys who are just completely fried from the summer sun. I mean, like, energy came from somewhere. I don't I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it was the intro, man. That's that's the whole thing. Like that's why I do it. I the whatever it energy really I've got, me. I just. No, you're onto something there. Hype, hype, yeah. hype me straight up. <laughs> just, just carried us all the way through over an hour. So, yeah. Uh, but man, we've we've got to do it again because it's always fun to talk with you. Um, it's usually more fun to oh. yell at you. We didn't get to that, but <laughs> okay, that's more. <laughs> that's more like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that I've got that in me, but uh, I, yeah, maybe not today. I just, I really just kind of wanted to. Uh, just have the conversation with you um, finally once and for all finally get this this one-on-one done and then uh like i said well we need to do this more often though i'm gonna i'm gonna be in your dms to come back and uh um, talk more quarterbacks talk quarterback extreme um and let you uh just pick my strategy apart (laughs) (laughs) so let's see i'm actually just interested in what you think of the rams I don't think we circle back Rams. to your opinion on it. Um, no, nah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I, I, you know, as everyone knows, I'm, you know, my, my analysis is way more narrative based, um, almost exclusively narrative based. <laughs> and to me, <laughs> to me, the, the, the narrative here is, you know, yes, it's an upgrade at quarterback, but like it, kind of it, it takes some time for these quarterbacks to yeah that's the other thing know. what if it just smudges a little bit you know yeah 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 which you know that it doesn't have to be the end of the world or anything it doesn't have to be us saying that the rams suck where that's that's not what we're saying <laughs> I didn't I mean like it a, that hard. <laughs> suck is a very gentle word in my vocabulary okay very very versatile as well right but, <laughs> but yeah you know i think that we come to kind of the same conclusion with different processes and mine is it's going to take a little bit of time it's just going to take a little Sean McVay runs a very intricate system um, it was also really kind of tailored to Jared Goff in his abilities and shortcomings. And, you know, th- those kind of change, you know, now with Matthew Stafford. So, you know, it, you've got an entire offense. We've become more um, more Matthew Stafford-y. Shouldn't we be higher on <coughs> Deshaun Jackson? I know. Because I mean, <laughs> I'm not going – you can't make me go in on um, – 
uh, you just can't get me in on uh, Van Jefferson. I'm just not doing it. So it becomes like maybe <laughs> the, maybe the ghost of um, Deshaun Jackson comes to play, huh? Huh? Somehow he's wherever he goes. Somehow he's always he's always relevant. So I mean, we've got a plan on it. I mean, so. there's going to be at least three weeks. You'll be like that, my dude, right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The good news is we just have to wait it out until he gets hurt, and then we can focus uh, on uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby again. But yeah, in the meantime. Deshaun Jackson is probably going going to be the DFS guy uh, early <laughs> yes. on, and, and otherwise, it's I don't know. I I don't know that you're that there's a whole lot of upside with that offense early on in this uh, in this quarterback change. So, so I'm with you. I think that you know that's twenty twenty two. Immediately want to argue against it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do you? I'm, I'm figuring Wasn't out what I you? think. I don't know why how everyone comes out the gate in the offseason with I know exactly what I already think. I'm experimenting with ideas. I was just like, maybe what if the Rams suck? And everyone's like, you hate them. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what I feel now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but I think that uh, a big part of it is just a, a lot of us, um, sometimes myself included, our opinion is that you just hate everything that we love. Like that's, that's, that's kinda, actually true. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's your Straight role in this community. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> get used. All right, then. <laughs> I guess I'll go get used to that. <laughs> but in this case, I don't love the Rams. So yeah, I guess you're gonna have to adjust uh, your takes. Um, okay. before the next time you're back on yeah, the I Super like the Rams, damn. Yep, yep, get comfortable with them. <laughs> because don't know that was coming, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised to say more. Yep, yep, and uh, yeah, and then get ready for some trade offers for Aaron Rodgers. By I, I've been waiting. The only reason I drafted him, I was like, this guy's going to have to come trade. <laughs> <laughs> I have to play it cool. Like, I can't just immediately. You can't like... be too thirsty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I got it. <laughs> exactly. But it'll happen. So, all right. Let's 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 wrap it. Dino Crossroads. Uh, the projections are out. He's at PA Howdy on Twitter. What else? What, what did I miss? What else? You got any articles coming up that you need to? I have a bunch I need to write, but no, I write for Dynasty League Football at DLF. I think I'm technically yes. a, a senior writer there, but I'm the most uh, unres- irresponsible senior writer you've ever met. Like most of those <laughs> guys are grinding and helping everyone out. And I'm just like, hey, I turned up again. What's, what's going <laughs> on? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, Dynasty League Football is where you can find my writing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same here, but uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not a, senior writer and terrible at slack man they need to do it on twitter i'm i'm great at being around on twitter yes (laughs) slack i'm like i know every now and again i'm like i should check in on that app oh look at all these messages yeah Yeah, i'd check it you know once a week or something so um yeah it's uh but again, I'm not a senior writer. There's no expectations of me. I can roll in whenever the hell I want. Just when that I'm means I'm better. And... I'm pretty sure that's that's, uh, that's, that's why. <laughs> I think you're right. 
Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to wrap this up for like 20 minutes. Now. Sorry, I should have. Yeah. Uh, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Mute. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, Peter Howard. Always a pleasure. Uh, usually a pleasure. Sometimes it's a pleasure. Um, today it was a pleasure, though. Let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed. Get access to all those great podcasts from DLF, including the Dino Crossroads uh, with P- uh, starring Peter Howard. Uh, do us a huge favor and rate and review the show. It helps us to get out to more people, touch on more topics that are useful to you, our super friends. Um, get us on Twitter at Superflex Show, but honestly, just just get to me individually. I I haven't checked the Super Show account in months, so yeah, just get at me individually as Superflex, dude. Peter's at PA Howdy. Um, You knew that, but there it is again for you. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James, the brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.